Amen. Take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6 today. Matthew chapter 6, as we look into this thing of prayer. There's two passages. Does anybody need a worship guide? If you need a worship guide, keep your hand up. We want to get everybody one. It'll help you follow along with the message today. And at the top there are two passages, but we're going to focus on Matthew chapter 6. And I'll give you a little insight into Luke chapter 11 as well. So today we're going to look into this thing of prayer. Let me first of all say it's, it's good to be here and, and thankful for the opportunity to preach. I'll pray for our preacher while he's away. And let's pray that the Lord will teach us something today too. In the book of Matthew chapter 6, we see the Lord's prayer. That's what we're going to look at today. And everyone is probably familiar with this prayer, and it's very common. Uh, in Luke chapter 11, we find the Gospel of Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, but uh, one of the interesting things about that version is the disciples tell Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. So as we jump into this thing today, let me give you a few foundational thoughts. We know prayer is one of the key components to the Christian life. It, it should overwhelm us, church, that we get to talk to God. Uh, probably today, if I could say something to get us going, that, that may be one of the most damaging things in the average Christian life today is we have gotten over the fact that we get to talk to God. Uh, I'm asking you today, before we get going, to examine your prayer life. How is it? If you had to rate your prayer life today from a meter of cold to hot, where would it be? Is your prayer life cold and indifferent or is it hot? Maybe it's like mine has been many times somewhere in the middle. But the fact of the matter is we have the opportunity to have an, an unbelievable communication line to God Almighty. And it's called prayer. What a privilege it is to pray. Now don't get me wrong. We'll also see today that prayer is a spiritual discipline. And anytime you're talking about a discipline, that means it's not easy. Amen. Have you ever been there where it's just not easy to pray? Sometimes you struggle with the words. You, you struggle with how God's working. It's a spiritual discipline. It's spiritual exercise. Some other th things about prayer. Before we jump into the message today, the Bible tells us some other facts about prayer that are good to just know as we get into this study and message today. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. Uh, the lesson there being that we should as believers learn to live our life in a state of prayer, in a, in a state where we are conscious of our spiritual walk. I believe that's what that's trying to teach us. The Bible says in Matthew to pray believing and then will I hear. We see a strong connection as you study prayer in the Bible to prayer and faith. They just go together. If you're not praying, believing, then your prayer life will, have, will struggle to grow. The book of James teaches us to pray for the right things. And then Jesus himself, many times in the Bible, would pull away from his disciples in the crowds and get alone with his Father. 
And so if Jesus needed to talk to his Father, I know I do. Amen? Let's just say that. So prayer is so important. And, and prayer is such a key component of the Christian life. So in Luke chapter 11, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And my first thought with that was, shouldn't they know? I mean, they've walked with God. They've seen the miracles. They've spent time with him. Man, if anybody should know how to pray, it ought to be these guys. But the fact of the matter is, is prayer is something in our life that should grow over time. It should become more rich and, and more perfected. Your prayer life ought to be something that should grow to a point one day where it's a, it's a source of power uh, to you, not just something you say. So let's read these familiar words together and we'll jump into the message. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 9, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's, a, that's an awesome prayer. As we look a little deeper into this prayer, though, uh, one of the things I want to point out, and these are in your foundational notes, and y'all pray for me. I'm going to try to stick with this. I'm, I'm getting better at just sticking with the outline. Amen. Man, I've never been good at that. So if we jump around, my son told me, Logan told me last night, he said, Daddy, last time you prayed, we didn't even finish the outline. A critic, amen, just a critic. God help me. So the first foundational note is this. The Lord's Prayer is a model or a blueprint for the manner of how we should pray. He even said that in this manner. What I'm trying to say here, it's not important that we repeat these words. He's given us a blueprint. When I was in Christian school, Sonia may remember this, we had a guy in our class named Mark Farr. And I guess the first time he was ever called on to pray, he tried to recite this. He never prayed in public in his life. And he massacred the Lord's Prayer. It went something like this. I, he started out pretty good. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Get me out of debt and give me some bread. That's about how it went. <laughs> For thine is the glory, amen. Give me some bread or something. It was a mess. I mean, all us guys were like looking over. You remember that, Sonia? We, we were like, dude, really? <laughs> so it's not important that's a pretty good prayer, though, amen? Get me out of debt, give me some bread, I like it. It's not important that we repeat the words. He's teaching them a blueprint. There's some substance in this body of prayer that he wants us to take note of. And that's what we're going to look at today. A couple of other thoughts in your foundational notes. The second one is this, and, and I believe these are, before we talk about the Lord's Prayer, I believe these are just, as I study prayer in the Bible... I believe these are just two things that are just vital for you to have an effective prayer life. An effective prayer life, the second note, is strongly connected to persistence and conduct. 
persistence and conduct. In Luke chapter 18, give me a minute to give you this. There's the parable of the unjust judge. You don't have to turn there. Basically, Jesus gives his people the parable of this unjust judge, a judge that was not saved. It said he had no regards for man or even God. But this lady that was looking for justice came to him. And the Bible says she pestered him. And she wearied him. And he told her no. And the Bible says she's continued to nag him and pester him and wouldn't let him be. And he said no. And the Bible says she continued to mess with him and pester him. Some of you husbands are saying, man, I can relate to that. Amen. I'm just teasing. And she just continued until the judge, the unjust judge, said, hey, if it'll basically, in layman's terms, if it'll get you out of my hair, I'll give you what you want. And Jesus said to the disciples, men ought always to pray and not think. He said, this is how you should pray. I'm telling you, church, one of the key components of prayer to being effective is persistence. Hey, don't quit. Some of you have been praying for a lost loved one for years. Don't you quit. Hey, stay persistent. Be like that lady. Be relentless in your prayer life. Just keep praying when it feels like God's not listening. Amen? Just keep praying when it seems like God don't care about your son that's fallen into addiction and it seems like he don't matter. I've learned just to keep on praying. Don't you quit. Somebody needs you to keep praying about something. Don't quit. I'm telling you, it's a tool of the devil. Persistence, persevering in our prayer life is vital for you and I to have an effective prayer life. Who is it today that needs you to keep praying for? What situation is it today that you need to keep praying about? Don't you quit. In James chapter 5, it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, righteous, anytime it's referred to man, it's talking about a saved man. If you're here today and you're lost, that's probably a pretty good reason why God hadn't heard your prayer. Amen? The first prayer God ever hears from a lost person is, Repent and believe. Lord, I trust you as my personal Savior. After that, though, church, I'm telling you, hey, listen this morning, this is foundational. You can't live any way you want to and have an effective prayer life. Just don't work that way. Hey, we can't straddle the fence on liberalism and conservatism. We can't straddle the fence on living for God and living for the world. We can't do it and have an effective prayer life. I'm telling you, it takes someone who's righteous, who knows God, but I believe it takes someone who walks with God and knows Him in a deeper way and has a desire to grow in their relationship. I believe powerful prayer is from someone who has a powerful relationship with God. foundational, persistence, and conduct. I I believe powerful prayer lives are are tied to conduct and behavior. Now let's look at the message today. Point number one. Doing good so far, amen? Right on line. Sister Stacy, amen, there's a cheerleader in the crowd. Verse, verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first thing he says 
when he's teaching us how to pray is remember you're praying to your Father. There's significance to that. You're praying to your Father. Jesus said, always remember, guys, when you enter into your prayer closet, when you enter into your prayer time, that you're talking to your Father. That word in the Greek actually means Abba, Papa. It's very personal. I'm glad we have a personal God. Amen? I'm glad that He knows each one of us by name. He knows each one of us and the details of our life. And I believe one of the greatest things we can do to help our prayer life is before we pray, is just go in and remember everything that our Father has done for us. Amen? Hey, I'm telling you, I've got a, What's that song we sing? I've got a good, good Father, church. Amen? Hey, we've got a good Father. It'll help your spirit and your condition if you'll learn how to go into your prayer time remembering, hey, I'm about to talk to my Father. We've got a good Father. Remember how much He loves you. Remember the things He's done for you. Some of us get off track in our Christian life because we forget what God has done for us. We forget the things He's done for us and through us and to us. I'm telling you, church, I remember the day as I think about my Heavenly Father, the day that He pulled me out of that pit. Some of y'all remember that day? That He pulled you out of the pit of selfishness. He pulled me out of the pit of sin. The Spirit of God drew me into relationship with my Heavenly Father. And I'm telling you, church, I had a brand new life. God gave me new life. It was brand new. The scales dropped from my eyes. I was born again. I had a heavenly father. Someone that had done something to me that had never done something for me before. I felt value. I felt precious. I knew God loved me. This is my father I'm talking to. Some of y'all need to remember how great your father is. I think about my mom and my dad and a history of alcoholism, a history of dysfunctional relationships, broken homes. Yet God in His mercy saved my brother, then saved my sister, then saved my mom and dad. We've got a good, good father. And my mama stood up and said, Lord, it's going to be different for my kids than it was for me. And the curse of sin was broken in her life by a father who loved her. We got a good father. We got a good father, and he deserves our praise. We got a father that not only loves us and, and shares his blessings, but he also, I'm thankful today, church, for a father that convicts me. Amen. You see, a father doesn't just love you, he he disciplines you, amen. Hey, it's still in the Bible. All you modernist. Discipline still needed, it's still necessary. Well, my son didn't get his nap. No, he didn't get his whooping. That's what's wrong with him, amen? Amen. Hey, I'm telling you, my father chastens his children. One of the signs you can know if you're saved is if God ever disciplines you. I'm telling you, every time a preacher preaches, hey, God disciplines me. He works in my heart. He challenges me. He works on me. He disciplines me. Why? Because he's a good good father. And when I do wrong, he tells me I'm doing wrong and he draws me to a place of repentance. He's a good father and he deserves my praise that he wants to commune with me and listen to my needs. You ever thought about this when 
Adam and Eve were the only two people on earth. Two people on this whole planet. In the cool of the day, God would come down to talk to them. Adam, what y'all been doing today? God already knew what Adam had done today, amen? Eve, what'd y'all do today? God already knew. He tells us. He knows what we need before we ask Him. I used to say, well, then why do we need to pray? Because God loves to talk to His children. Well, we cheat ourselves and we skip prayer, amen? You ever realize prayer is much more for you than it is for God? But God loves to commune with His people. He loves to talk to His children. He's a good, good Father. He's an unbelievable resource. He's a good Father and He deserves our praise. I used to drive a bus and so many of our bus kids, I'm sure it's this way here, not always. Some of our bus kids have great parents and great homes. But in many cases, our bus kids would be in broken homes. And many times, Dad wouldn't even be a part of the family. And I remember several young ladies and little boys that we led to Christ through our bus ministry in Mississippi. And one of the things that God gave me in that chapter that I used to tell them is, Hey, listen, I know you don't have a daddy in your life, but you do now. I wanted our bus, those that didn't have a father in their life to understand they've got a father now that'll listen to them, that they can talk to anytime they want, that'll be there for them. Even though their earthly daddy's not there for them, I wanted them to know that their heavenly father would always be there. And by the way, mom and dad, even if you've been in your children's life and I try to be a good father today, Our kids need to understand the importance of talking to their Heavenly Father because one day I'm going to be gone. I I told my daughter last Sunday when we dropped her off to get ready for her second year of college, I said, Taylor, always remember, baby, you can talk to your Heavenly Father anytime you need to. You may not can get a hold of me. Hey, I may not always be accessible, but ain't you glad, church, that God is not never put you on hold? Amen. (laughs) Aren't you glad today that God don't have voicemail? God help us, I'm glad of that. Aren't you glad today that, that he don't, he's never tired. He's always there. He wants you to talk to him. He's your heavenly father. And bless God, he'll always be there. He'll never hang up on you or be dismissed. I'm telling you, we got a father that's always waiting to talk to us. And some of us ought to be thankful for that. And he deserves our praise. He's a good father. He's a good father. Look at your notes under the first point. I don't know if that's where I am, but we're going to read them. Amen? Learn to pray to your father. The first note is this. Focus on the relationship and not just your needs when praying. Focus on your relationship and not just your needs. Too many times our prayer life will get to a point where it's just a wish list. It's just a time where we get along with God and tell Him everything that's wrong in our life and everything we need. Now, don't get me wrong. God wants us to bring our concerns and our heartaches. God wants us to share our needs. But I think one of the things that Jesus is is reminding the disciples is focus on the relationship. Focus on your Father. Secondly, under that point is this. Learn to praise 
before you ask. Amen, church? Learn to praise before you ask. I'm telling you, there's something to this thing of prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Before we ask for anything, I just think one of the things he's teaching us here is we need to learn to praise God in our prayer life. If the only time you praise God is in a corporate worship service, hey, you've got a shallow Christian life. I'm not against it. I love the fact that we have more liberty to praise Him. But the best praise you will ever give God is in your prayer closet alone with Him, telling Him, hey God, I don't care if anybody sees me today. I'm going to lift my hand and praise you for what you've done in my life. I'm going to lift my hand and praise you for saving me with the precious blood of your son. I'm going to praise you, God, whether anybody sees it or not. I'm going to praise you, God, for pulling my son out of drug addiction. And today he's celebrating five months of sobriety. I'm going to praise you for that. But listen, church. I'm going to praise you in the middle of his addiction too when it seems like there's no hope because praising God should never be dependent upon our circumstances but upon who he is. Praise him. David said in Psalm chapter 32, Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. But then he says this, When I kept silent, My bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. You start keeping silent about God as a Christian, you're going to dry up. Hey, I'm telling you, church, our churches are full of people today that are dried up, washed up, dried out. Hey, no enthusiasm. Been so long since they've had a prayer answered, they wonder what's going on. I'm telling you, the way to work yourself out of that is just start praising God again. Just live a life of praise. Just honor Him. David said, when I kept silent, my bones waxed old. I believe praise is the catalyst, the energy, and the life that we need in our prayer life. When's the last time you just spent some time in your prayer closet praising God? Not asking for a thing. Just spend a few minutes praising Him. Telling Him how awesome He is. Thanking Him for what He's done for you. Thanking Him for your family, your children, your heritage, your health. Traveling mercies that He gives me every week. Hey, we need to get back to praising God. Praising. The last note under point one is this. Be plain spoken. And learn to share your needs with your Father. Your heart with your Father, I'm sorry. Be plain spoken and learn to share your heart with your Father. And earlier in that chapter, he talks about uh, when thou prayest, not to use vain repetition. Be plain spoken. Don't use vain repetition like the heathen. Just share, share your heart with God. Learn to just talk to God, amen? Share your heart with Him and talk to Him. Be plain spoken in your prayer life. I got news for you, church. We're not going to impress God. Just be plain spoken. Talk to Him. That's what He wants. And share your heart with Him. Number two. Learn to pray in private. Learn to pray in private. 
Verse 6 says this earlier in the chapter, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Hallowed be thy name, and praying in your prayer closet. Listen, church, you need a place. You need a place to get along with God. Some of you right now need to ask yourself, do I have a prayer closet? Do you have one? I preached a couple of years ago on the, on the discipline of solitude, and we talked a lot about this. I'm not going to dwell on it, but I'm telling you, if you don't have a prayer closet, you don't have a prayer life. It is vital that you spend alone time with God. I'm all for praying with your wife, praying with your kids, praying at dinner, praying corporately. But I'm telling you, if you don't have alone time with God, hey, you're going to starve to death spiritually. It's where He gives us new life. It's where He gives us a breath of fresh air. I can't tell you how many times I've been alone with God and it just gives me a whole new a lift of energy and excitement. We need it. Jesus did it all the time. He'd pull away from the crowds. He'd pull away from his closest followers and say, guys, I've got to get along with my Father. Some of y'all need that. You need to make the decision today. I'm going to start having alone time with God. Mom and Dad, our kids need to learn to spend time alone with God. I'm telling you, I believe this. Corporate prayer is where I talk to God, but private prayer is where He talks to me. It's where he speaks to me. It's where he helps me. It's, it's in our prayer closet, he says, that we, we give our secrets. It's in our prayer closet that we share our deepest pain. It's in our prayer closet where we not only pray, but sometimes we cry. And I got news for you, church. You may not care if God ever hears your prayer, but you're going to want him to hear your cry. And that day's coming. It's in your prayer closet. That's where it happens. I'm telling you, we need a prayer closet. It's hallowed ground. Interesting thing, that word closet in the Greek, it says when you pray, enter into your closet. That word closet in the Greek means storehouse. I like it. Some of y'all saw the movie War Room. And these people had, this lady had a prayer closet, man. And there was stuff all over the walls, stuff she was praying about. And, and it was a source of power. It was a source of, of victory, amen? The whole thing was about winning in prayer. It was a source of strength for this lady. Her prayer closet was a place of refuge and power and spiritual stamina for her, and her prayers got answered. I'm telling you, church, you need a storehouse in your life, a place where you can go to and be refueled, a place where you can go to and keep your spiritual stamina up. God's people today are waning. Hey, they're drying up. They quit praising Him, and they quit going to the storehouse. Some of y'all need a prayer closet. Get refueled up, amen? Get that energy. You need that in your life. A place where you can supplicate. That word supplicate just means earnest desires. A place where you can sweat, cry out to God. This place is intense. Hey, this place is intense. Some of y'all have never had an intense prayer life. I'm talking about a place that's intense. You ever got up from your prayer closet and said, Wow, man, that was good. 
I'm telling you, it's where God speaks to you. It'll change you, folks. It's hallowed ground. He said, hallowed be thy name. The only time with the exception of salvation that I've ever been on hallowed ground, as far as I know, is when I went to Washington and, and, and stood at Arlington National Cemetery. Man, my wife and I stood there and saw that field of white crosses. And, and I realized as that Marine was marching back and forth in front of the tomb of the unknown soldier, and there was probably three or 400 people right around us, and you could hear a pin drop. It was silence. And I said, man, I thought to myself, we're on hallowed ground. Man, this is special. Amen? This was, this was a very moving experience in my life. As I, as I, and you, you don't do justice to see it on TV. You've got to go. But in person, when you see the fields of white crosses, you begin to realize the cost of your freedom. And that plaque that stands there with a grandfather and a grandson, and the daddy's missing because he's buried, and the grandfather tells the grandson, as they look at that field, this is what freedom cost. It begins to move you. It's special. It works on your heart. Man, it's a place of reverence. It's a place where you're humble. God says, that's what your prayer closet ought to be like. It ought to be hallowed ground. You shouldn't come in there popping your bubble gum. Amen. Casually, passively. It ought to be a place of great reverence and humility. We get to meet with our Father and bring our needs to Him. And the cost of my spiritual freedom was much greater than the cost of my liberty as an American. God gave His only begotten Son and His precious blood saved my soul. And we ought to go into our prayer closet and say, Wow, this is awesome. I'm in awe. I'm humbled. I'm in reverence to you, God. Man, it's intense. Some of y'all need that in your life. You need that. It's a place. It's hallowed ground. Number three. Learn to pray in private. Your, your note under that is this. Your prayer closet is hallowed ground. And many times the only place where God will reveal things to you. If you don't have a prayer closet, there may be some things missing in your life that God will only tell you in alone time. God's not going to reveal everything to you in a church service. God's not going to... He'll reveal things to you in a church service, but not everything. I'm telling you, there's some things in my life I didn't know about until I got alone with Him. And it's not always good things, amen? Many times it's Him telling me what I don't need to do what I need to quit doing. Some of y'all don't want to go to the prayer closet because you know God's going to work you over. Amen? Yeah. Hey, some of y'all need to get into the prayer closet like I do so it'll help me stay straight. It'll help me stay forgiving. It'll help me stay right. Going into your prayer closet will help you live right. Some of us need to get there. We need to get there. Number three, how are we doing on time? I don't even know what time this service is supposed to be over. Let me check. Amen? I love this. Amen. Well, this says 10, 12. We way past. It must have been the morning service. Amen. I like that too. 10, 12. God help. How do you figure that out? I mean, that's some detail there, ain't it? 10, 12. Number three. 
Learn to pray for God's will to be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Hey, are you just praying for things you want today? When's the last time you prayed for what God wants? Amen? Now, God will give you the desires of your heart if you'll delight in His Word. We're going to look at that in a minute. But I think the best thing I ever did in my life was when I said, God, just help me to start wanting what you want. It seemed to give my prayer life growth. It seemed to help me mature in my prayer life when I just quit praying for me to hit the lottery. Amen? Some of y'all need to quit praying to hit the lottery. Some of y'all, y'all need to quit praying that you're going to be skinny tomorrow when you wake up. Amen? Someone asked me the other day, he said, Brother Butch, I bet you don't like being overweight. I said, yeah, and I don't like being hungry worse. Amen? God help. <laughs> so far, so far to this point in my life, I don't like being hungry worse than I don't like being overweight. Amen? That may change, but so far. Quit praying about the wrong things. We pray about the wrong things. God says, hey, you ask amiss. Your prayers don't get answered because you're praying about the wrong things. Quit asking amiss. You have not because you ask not. When you do ask, you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything According to His will, He heareth us. we got to start praying for God's will. My daughter has struggled uh, valiantly with what to do with her life as far as a career. She started out OT, PT, dental. Last Sunday she said, I think I want to do nursing school. And I said, Taylor, when's the last time you prayed and asked God what He wanted you to do? Now, this thing might come to a head and give you some direction if you'll pray about it. Why don't you pray for God's will for your life? i got a feeling if you'll start praying, God, show me what you want me to do, that things may clear up. Let's start praying for God's... Maybe the reason your prayer life is so cloudy is because all you ever pray for is what you want. Why don't you start praying for God, what do you want in my life? i got a feeling it'll start clearing up. Let's pray for God's will for our kids and our life and our jobs. Let's pray for God's will when it comes to the details of our life. And not only that, church, listen. Let's start praying for things that have spiritual value. Amen? Some of y'all need to quit praying for a better job and just start praying that God will give you more faith. And then the job will come. You see, I think we get things out of order sometimes. Some of y'all need to quit praying for a better marriage and start praying that God will give you victory over your temper. And then you'll have a better marriage. Amen? Let's start praying for things that have spiritual value. And I think the other things kind of take care of themselves. God, help me. God, let's start praying that, that we won't be bitter. And we'll be a better Christian. You know, I, I'm a firm believer. You don't have to pray about some things. Amen? You don't have to pray about being skinny. Just quit eating so much and exercise. Amen. God help. You ain't even got it. Now you say, well, you can pray that God will give you the strength. I believe that. But I mean, it's a fact. It's a scientific fact that if you eat right and exercise, you won't be overweight. Some of this stuff, I think we complicate it. Why don't we just start praying for discipline in our life 
and more faith and spend more time in our prayer closet and ask God to help us to be spiritually what we need to be every day and spiritually be a leader and provide the right example to our sons and daughters and provide the right example to those that follow us. God, help us to pray for the right things. And by the way, you want to know if your prayer life's really mature? You'll start praying for people that don't like you. You know that's the mark of a mature Christian? The Bible even says to pray for... Boy, I hate this verse. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Boy, that one right there I don't like. Pray for those that despite Jesus. Hey, Lord, what do we do about these Pharisees? What do we do about these people that use us and make fun of us and mock? Hey, pray for them. Pray for them. That's the mark. It says that's a mark of them. Calls it a perfect child of God, which means mature. I'm not mature yet, amen. I'm working on that one. Pray for them. Love them. Pray for them. Learn to pray for the right things. Learn to pray for people that don't like you. Learn to pray for people that that use you. Learn to pray for your enemies. It's the mark of a mature Christian. Pray for God's will, church. Let's pray for God's will. You say, Brother Butch, can I pray for anything that I want? Sure you can, as long as it lines up with God's will. He says, if you'll delight in my word, I'll give you the desires of your heart. But we focus on give me the desires of my heart when before that, unfortunately, that's conditional to delighting in the Lord. It's talking about giving God first place. Young people, hey, what are the desires of your heart today? I got news for you. If you'll just put God first, he'll give you that stuff that lines up with his will. I think about Kim Ferguson. Came into our church when I was pastoring. Real beautiful young lady, a lot of just... Man, I was just excited. She was so sharp. And she came out of some bad relationships. When she came into our church, she was broken, been used, abused, knew the Lord, knew she was saved. My wife and I prayed with her. And she was really wanting to meet a godly young man. And so I told her, I said, Kim, we, we, t- we looked at that verse. I said, here's what you need to do. You need to pour your life into this church and into your relationship with Jesus. Just pour your life into that, and I bet God will give you the man he wants you to have. And guess what? Within a year, probably six months, a champion graduate named Jason Pugh came to our church and visited our church. And they didn't, I don't think they said a word to each other. But after church, he asked for her phone number. Amen? And nine months later, they got married. Now she's got four kids, all under the age of five or something. She's probably wishing it had never happened. Amen, I'm just teasing. God, help us. God, help us. She puts posts out there. I'm like, oh, Lord, we need to pray. I mean, she's got a bunch of little kids. I'm the seventh of seven. I know all about big families. And I know God don't make no accidents. But I'll never, I know I was an unplanned pregnancy. Amen. Let me just say that this morning. Nobody has six kids and says, let's have another one. I know that didn't happen. (laughs) Amen. Learn to pray for things that make you a better person, that line up with God's will. How's your prayer life? Number four. As we grow in our prayer life, the note for that one is this. As we grow in our prayer life, 
we should see a shift from our will to God's will to be done. Some of y'all need to start praying for God's will to be done in your life and quit praying for just the things you want. Remember that. Number four in your outline says this. Learn to pray for daily needs. Isn't it amazing that when Jesus taught them to pray, he used that word daily again. All throughout the Bible, he teaches us, listen, Christian, this is something that I struggled with personally. He teaches us the importance of living life one day at a time. He even put it in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. God has never promised you that you're going to have everything you need a month from now or six months from now or a year from now. Some of you are fretting. You're worried about tomorrow. You're worried about your finances next month. You're worried about how's it, how are we going to make it next month when God says, why don't you get focused on today because all I promised is to meet your needs one day at a time. If Jesus comes back tomorrow, who cares what happens tomorrow, amen? Learning to live one day at a time, and I think this is in your notes, will give your life value and your day's value. And it'll relieve stress in your life. It'll give your day's value and it will relieve stress in your life. I've struggled in my whole life with anxiety. I'm serious. And, and most of the time, you know what? It's about stuff that's never happened yet. Huh. It's crazy. Hey, I'm talking about when it comes to my son Garrett. Lord, I, I, I don't know if he's going to make it. I don't, Lord, I don't see any hope. I, I don't see any light at the end of this tunnel, God. My son's dying. And, and God's taught me, hey, you just worry about today. You just focus on doing what you're supposed to do today. We waste so many of our days worried about tomorrow. Some of y'all have thrown away so many nows because you're worried about tomorrow. So many of y'all have thrown away the nows because you're worried about yesterday. Learn to pray for daily needs. God, give me what I need today. Help me to make much of today. I'm going to tell you one of the things I've learned is when you, when you pray that way and live that way, man, your days are a lot more fun. Man, I've been looking, I got up this morning, I'm looking forward to today. I get to preach. I'm, I'm going to see my mother's 81st birthday. We're going to see her today. I'm excited. I'm telling you, a few years ago, I'd be worried about what I've got coming up this week. But now I can't wait to see my mama. And she's got dementia. She's 81. She can't remember anything she said to you five minutes ago. But she can remember that cigarette I smoked in 1972. God help. I'm like, I'm like calling the doctor. What's up, doc? How come my mama can't remember what I just told her? But she can tell me in detail about stealing that pack of cigarettes running out behind the house 40 years ago and smoking that thing. Tell me what I was wearing. It's scary, man. Don't get spiritual. Some of y'all smoked one when you was a kid too. Amen? Daily needs. We tend to measure our life in years, but I just mentioned my mom's 81 years old. But God says to number your days. We need to learn to make much of today. 
I can't wait to see my mom today. My family and I are going to go to dinner today, tonight, and see my son Garrett, who's five months sober and got a job. Hey, I'm excited. I'm excited to God be the glory. I'm excited. I'm going to enjoy today. I, he may fall off the truck next month. He may go back to the drugs. I don't know. But I know today's good. Amen? Some of y'all need to learn to live that way like I did. Give you days power. God says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Again, teaching us the importance of daily bread. It'll relieve stress in your life. Mark Twain said this, I've had a lot of worries and a lot of fears in my life, most of which never happened. Most of the stuff y'all are worried about ain't never going to happen anyway. You know, if we'd spend as much time praying as we do complaining about the two presidential candidates, we'd be a better people. We need to quit worrying about it. Well, I'm worried about this election. I'm worried... Hey... We need to be worried about ourselves. Daily needs. Make value of today. I don't know what else you have to do today after church, but make it big. Enjoy spending time with your wife, your kids. Enjoy spending time with your loved ones. If you're going to go to the park, I don't know what your plans are, but enjoy it. Amen? Learn to live one day at a time. we got to hurry. What are we on? Number five. Ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness in His presence first. And forgive us our debts, Lord, as we forgive our debtors. Boy, it's interesting. All the sins we can commit as a Christian, was a big list of them, amen? All the sins we're capable of committing. The one that God chose to put in the Lord's prayer is forgiveness, not forgiving people. That's pretty powerful to me. And I think the reason he did that is because I think God realizes that's prevalent among his people. It's not forgiving people. It's prevalent among preachers that have a son in addiction. I'm telling you, as honestly as I can, I struggled forgiving my son. When I looked at the pain my wife was in and my other three children and the things, the scars they have today because of his antics. I struggled with forgiving him, but God taught me something. I found this out. It was a lot, and I've forgiven him since then. Praise the Lord, I've forgiven him. What a burden was lifted off me. But I learned this in this prayer. It was a lot easier to forgive my son to his face when I first forgave him in front of God. Some of y'all that are struggling with forgiving somebody that's wronged you, you need to get in your prayer closet and forgive them in front of God. Because I got news for you. When you forgive, when I forgave my son uh, for the things he's done to me and my family in front of God Almighty, I didn't have any choice then. I had to go find him and say, Son, I want you to know I forgive you for everything you've done. Forgive him in front of God first, and it'll be a lot easier to forgive him to the face. That's what he's trying to teach us here. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God, help us today to be forgivers. I'm telling you, you say, what else is that teaching us, Brother Butch? I think this is, this is important, church, before we finish up. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart towards someone, it's going to hinder your prayer life. 
it's going to diminish your prayer life. You can't have an effective prayer life and be bitter towards a brother or sister or an enemy. I'm telling you, there's something to this. Maybe somebody needs to just go this week and, and say, hey, once and for all, God, I want to forgive them in front of you. Now give me the strength to go forgive them face to face. And we're required to do that, by the way. The Bible says if a brother asks you for forgiveness, you've got to give it to him. Amen? That's a command. That's not something you need to decide or is that something I need. No, you need to forgive them. And if they've asked you and you hadn't, forgive them in front of God, then go forgive them face to face. Number six, we hit on these last two points. Pray for spiritual power to be an overcomer in this evil world. He reminds us in verse 13, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, Lord, from evil. I think the lesson there God's teaching us is we live in an evil world. Hey, folks, if you don't think it's getting... Hey, if you think it's getting better, you must be in a coma. We live in an evil culture. Amen? An evil society. And if you don't have the mindset as a believer to be an overcomer every day, you're not going to make it. You've got to have the mindset to be an overcomer. God, I'm not going to live my life passively anymore. With great consciousness, I'm going to spend time in your word, time in my storehouse, in my prayer closet, getting powered up, fueled up, laughed up, so that I can go out today and be an overcomer. Casual Christians today are falling by the wayside. You can't do this in your strength. And you've got to have spiritual power. If you don't have spiritual power in your life, you need to get in your prayer closet and ask God to help you to be an overcomer. I can tell you personally, the times in my life when I failed or times in my life, hey, that I hadn't spent time with God. Weak. How's your prayer closet and your prayer life? Lastly today, number seven, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Start with praise and end with praise. Amen? I like it. He started the model prayer, the blueprint prayer, by praising God, hallowed be thy name, and he ends it with, thine is the power and the glory. Start your prayers out by praising him and end it by praising him. One of the things I love about Jacob in the Bible, he gets a lot of bad rap for being a deceiver, but you study his life. He praised God. And the Bible says on his dying day, he asked his sons to lift him up on his staff so he could praise him one more time. I'm telling you, there's something to this thing of praise. Your prayer life is strongly connected to faith and to praise. What about it, church? How's your prayer life? Have you used your prayer closet as just a wish list, a place to complain, a place to vent? When's the last time you just took 15 minutes in your prayer closet just to tell God how awesome He is for blessing you with the family, with healthy kids? Hey, for blessing you with the blood of His Son. Let's quit asking for so much. And let's, when we do ask, let's start asking for the right things. Let's learn to live one day at a time and make much of our days. All this is connected to powerful prayer. Jesus, teach us how to pray. And boy, he did. What I love about this passage is when Jesus taught them how to pray, he was teaching them how to live. Amen? We'd be doing good to live this 
every head bowed and every eye closed.